Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast with Simon Cocking, Senior Editor. I'll be doing a series of interviews with people at the cutting edge of green tech, clean tech, and anything else that we think is interesting and worth listening to for you guys, our listeners. So, this is our latest interview, um, and who am I talking to today? Uh, Mary O'Driscoll. Well, Mary Malloy O'Driscoll, I suppose, because there are so many Mary O'Driscolls in Cape, so you can distinguish with That's them. true, yes. Um, great, so... Um, you're, you're quite interesting because you're a bit different to the others. So um, when when did you come to Cape or are you from Cape? Uh, I don't remember the first time I came to Cape because my grandmother actually came from here and uh, she immigrated to the mainland of Skull. And then uh, when we were kids, we had a grand-aunt living here. So we came all of the time and mm -hmm. my father actually operated a ferry service from Skull as well. And my mother worked. So um, during the summer holidays, he babysat all three of us and how he babysat us was made us crew on a boat, which is uh, <laughs> slave labour at the time. No, I'm only joking. Uh, so we loved coming to Cape as kids. Uh -huh. And uh, I suppose it's not really politi politically correct, but we would all go to Paddy Burks, which was the highlight of the social life in Cape, both day and night. And as kids, we would be having crisps and fizzy orange, which was the, cool, yeah, yeah. the drink of the day. Um, and then as years went by, I suppose um, I came here in my teenage years. I had a friend who lived here who was from Cape. I used to come and stay with her over in Timsey's. And uh, there was a lot more freedom here yes. in those days for teenagers than in Skull, you know, because Skull was almost like the metropolis at the time. Yeah. And uh, so I spent my misspent teenage years here. And uh, that's where I met my husband as well, because he's from here uh, yeah. all the time. And uh, then... When we uh, married first, I started work as a teacher in Sherkin. Oh, oh wow. It was my first job. Yeah, Gosh. fantastic. And uh, then the following year, we were working in Kinsale, so we actually moved and I was lucky enough to get a job there. Mm -hmm. So I taught in Kinsale from 1977 until eventually uh, 1987. Uh, okay. 89, actually, I gave up. But in the meantime... Um, we were actually asked in 1980 by um, Kieran Cotter Sr., who is now deceased, um, if we would like to come and run Cotter's Pub. And we knew a lot about pubs from outside the counter because I sing and play the guitar, and so that yeah. was part of my uh, summer jobs was to sing in different pubs. Uh, but we hadn't ever worked it from the other side, and uh, so we thought we'd give it a bash. So we came back in 1980, and we ran Cotter's from 1980 till 1987. Um, and during that time, our boys were born. So we have twins, twin boys, born in 82. Okay. And uh, so they were, well, not quite born in cotters, but born when we were um, operating cotters. Mm -hmm. And so they, uh, when they were four, it obviously came the time to go to school. I was still teaching in Kinsale and commu uh, commuting. And uh, we had to make a decision whether they'd stay with their father and um, go to school in Cape or come with me and go to school in Kinsale. So we decided for Cape. Okay. And um, delighted that I did, uh, because I think I could see even then that, um, you know, the kids were lovely that I taught in Kinsale, don't get me wrong, but, you know, there was a lot more materialism and yeah. um, consciousness of, you know, brands of clothes mm -hmm. and gadgets, whereas here, you know, they were dead happy with hand-me-downs. It was sort of like a bottom-up um, education. Yeah. They could do basic things. They were free. And um, I thought this was really a better option. So on the day of their fourth birthday, the 3rd of December, they marched over to school. And uh, I think they loved it too, really. Quite a few kids at the time in school. There was one other little boy in their class, Kuhurog. And uh, so, yeah, they, you know, really got on great. 
getting on great now still as a result of their basic education, which was a good foundation. And um, I remember hearing at that time from another teacher's son from a previous generation, Anthony Burke, who used to come back here visiting, and his father had taught here way back in the 50s, I suppose. And he described going to school here as being the closest you would ever get to being in Tiernan Oak, because you had total freedom, uh-huh. no worries, no cares. You know, you went to school, played in the hills yeah, and yeah, whatever. Yeah. And it was before the days of, you know, gadgets. And uh, yeah. we did have television, but television wasn't terribly important, you know. It wasn't much on, yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe that as well. Uh-huh. But, you know, they played with each other. They created <coughs> games. They used to play cowboys and Indians up in the hills with yeah. sticks for guns. And, you know, it was really, really great. So, um, yeah, I'm delighted that I um, educated my kids here. You know, my only regret now at my senior age, uh, Simon, is that I hadn't put another three sets of twins. So I'd have, I'd yes, maybe. Have <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you put them in the school, uh, how many kids were in the school? I'm not quite sure, but well, it was quite a big number. I'd say there must have been 20 or more. Uh-huh. Yeah, because like there were three in their class alone, you know, and um, there were definitely 20 at least, yeah. you know. Yeah. And how did your guys find the experience of being in school on Cape when they then had to go to the later schools? Um, well, in the beginning, I suppose, you know, when they did go out first, I remember um, because there were only three of them here in every, you know, um, subject or in every exam or whatever they'd have here in Cape, you were either the first, the second or the third. Yes, yes. And uh, our two went to school in Skull and in the first couple of weeks there, they were very disappointed that they weren't in the first top three and couldn't understand it, you know. So it took them a while to realise that you had to fight a bit harder in a bigger pool, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that was good for them. And I think what was good for them, and I would say for all of the children in Cape, is that, you know, when they went away at 11, yes, I know it is hard as a parent, there's no doubt about that, but it gave them an edge that other children don't have. Okay, sure. Um, you know, they were able to manage their money because, you know, the first time you ran out of money on a Wednesday, you made sure it didn't happen the following yeah. week. Um, you managed to, you know, meet people, find the buses, find your way about, yeah. you know. And I think it gave them a life skill that you don't get in other places. And I even see it with other kids in more recent years that I've employed, you know, in CDMs and Donald Cotters. The island children have an edge over mainland children, without a doubt, because they just have that um, survival, mm-hmm. you know, and able to get on with people. Yeah. You know, they're sociable and they can mix with adults or they can mix with, you yeah. know, other teenagers and hold their own, you know. So it really is, I think, you know, a great place to give them a good basis for life. Yeah, look, I think it can't hurt, can it, when you have to deal with a range of ages and mm. some logistical, not everything's fixed by mum and dad, you know. Yes, exactly. You have to stand on your own two feet and think about it too. So yeah, I think, I think it was great. And then so so what, what, did, what did they uh, pursue afterwards? I mean, because one became yeah. a linguist that we've spoken to, so... Yeah, well, our boys, I suppose, were always into the sea and we actually... Uh, broke the mould when we sent our children to school in Skull rather than going to Ross Carberry, which was a lovely school as well. But I, I just kind of didn't like the idea maybe of them going to boarding school, mm-hmm. just a bit more freedom. And also the fact that I was from Skull was yeah. a help. And in Skull at the time, they had just begun a sailing school. That's right. It's great, isn't it? And uh, so we were interested in that as well. So they went there and they just loved the sailing school and got on really well with their sailing you know uh-huh. wearing different things that they even represented Ireland in at different times cool but uh, so they went to school in Skull and at that stage obviously it wasn't a boarding school so they stayed in Dicks and then eventually we went to the house and they commuted to and fro so uh, I think that was good for them yeah uh, the fact that they got their marine base there and I suppose they lived on an island and by default you have a marine background then 
uh, one of them went to sea mm-hmm. um, and he became a chief engineer with BP. Okay. Uh, but was lucky enough then to get a job ashore in recent years. So he's now working ashore and married and settled down. Yeah, yeah. And then our other son, his twin actually, uh, became a naval architect. And uh, he was working in England for a while, but he's now back uh, living in Wicklow, working in Dublin, um, again in the marine. Wow, so life. both yeah. water, sea related. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And it was funny because I was the one at home washing the sheets and, you know, cleaning the cottages and mm-hmm. doing the bar. And so while they all flitted around the world, going here, there and everywhere. And then out of the blue in, oh, I think in the early 200s, I suppose, or 2000s. Yeah. Um, I landed a super kind of woofer job Okay. Uh, because while I was here on Cape, I used to have a little choir and so we had great fun, you know, singing in harmony and I love singing and playing guitar anyway and saw an ad in a magazine uh, to be a choir mistress at sea. So I have uh, outpassed Aidan with all his travels. Wow. So I've done more um, nautical miles than he has at this stage. Uh, just as a choir mistress on board cruise liners, yeah, yeah. And form a choir out of the passengers and then put on a concert at the end. So Gosh. they take me for nothing. Yeah. But I don't get paid, obviously. But I'm treated as a customer and get my beautiful food. Yes. And set up the choir. And the only downside is that you eat too much and put on too much weight. But other than that, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so I've I've uh, outpassed them in the nautical miles, which was rather funny because they were all taken away to sea and left me at home. But. Uh, so I mean, I mean that means you have like a kind of good perspective of the waters around here and mm-hmm. global aspects. So if, if families were thinking of coming, um, what kind of tips would you give them about uh, how to successfully work out how to live on an island? I think the first thing would be that, um, how would I put this, you know, I think when they come in here, uh, it's good to kind of maybe keep your mouth closed and your ears open. Okay. Uh, because in a small place like this, you know, you don't know who's related yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like they're coming into here. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important that you sort of um, mold yourself into the uh, island first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, bring your positive uh, changes with you and say what you've got to say. But I think that that's important, you yeah, know, yeah. that you take on board that you're coming into this little community and uh, that you want to come with positive vibes. So just to see what the how the background is before you yeah. get going, you know. From the point of view of the marine or whatever, I, I don't think it's a disadvantage to live on an island because, you know, we had a, an internet shopping of types before anybody ever thought That's of true. the phone and getting yeah. your stuff delivered. Yeah. I love ringing fields or wherever, the butcher, and then going down and picking up my box at the pier. Suits me much better than pushing a trolley around. Yeah. And you can get everything at, at the end of a phone here. So, like, when you come in here, you're not cutting yourself yes. off from all of that. Yeah. So it's one of the few things you need to do is get your hair cut, and so you have to go out for that. But for everything else, we have a super health service, fantastic nurse. Um, so really, there's no need to go to the mainland at all if you didn't really want to, and you can get all the facilities at the end of the phone. Yeah, I think people feel it's more remote than it is. I don't think it's remote at all. Really. Whereas I say, well, if you look at it as it's 40 minutes... Yeah. in on the boat that's, it. that's like commuting into the city exactly and it's a beautiful commute because you can like chill out write yeah. your shopping list you know just enjoy the view yeah. it's so healthy get the air you know much better than commuting 40 minutes into a city in a car you know so I think and even when you come, you're coming home it gives you that 40 minutes to just chill out yeah. before you face life again you know meditate or it's like a detox transition period yeah, so. yeah yeah and I think that's the best way to look at it you know yeah and you might see a dolphin you might see more than more than a dolphin. You might even see a whale. <laughs> um, 
Is there, because I know you were reflecting on this, is there anything that I should have asked you or that you would like to say? And or I know that because you're a, a very you're public face in the bar, I imagine you get asked recurring questions by Like tourists. what you do in the winter? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do the same in the winter as we do in the summer, just work harder in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think that, um, no, I think this is a great place. And I've lived, as I said, I started in Sherkin. I work on another island in the north of Ireland now at the minute. And at the end of the day, really, I think this place is, you know, sort of it's our home, I suppose, in our hearts anyway. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'd be hoping to retire here, even though I hope I'm not retiring anytime soon. Um, and no, I think it is really a lovely place to live. And as I say, I think if you just, you know, do your own thing and, you know, appreciate what others are doing and kind of take them on and understand them or try to, I think it's a lovely place. We hope you enjoyed that podcast and we will be bringing you more across as diverse and interesting a range of stories as we can find. You're welcome to reach out to us on Twitter, LinkedIn or by email and give us any feedback and let us know what you'd like us to cover in the future. Thanks and keep listening.